Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Osteen. And I'm Will Lentz. And we are your hosts. Today, we're thrilled to have LP Watts here for the second part of her sex education episode. Um, We're super excited. This part, if you haven't listened to part one, please go back and listen to part one as it is really instrumental into understanding the second part. Um, This part really focuses on parenting and how you can talk to your kids about sex education Uh, we talk about the fears that come up and we also talk about the elephants and the bulls so you can figure out what that is in addition to the birds and the bees um yeah and and a little bit more applicability into her work and 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 how she does deal with adults and psychology so buckle up um but before then uh yeah, I think we were chatting about our sex ed experiences. And quite frankly, mine was unremarkable from from high school and maybe even middle school. I don't remember that much other than anatomical. But, well, and to be terrified of STIs, like the, the, the worst oh, sure. in the entire world, right? Um, that the world is ending. And um, But I do remember in college they brought, like, all the Greek – students together in in the auditorium and they had the date doctor come which is who the the movie hitch is based off of so oh wow yeah and then they had this woman who is a sex education sexologist from what i remember but i do remember she took a condom out and she put it over a football and she was like don't let any dude ever tell you that they can't get their penis in a condom that they're too big and i remember just being like flummoxed because I don't I didn't have sex at that point and I don't even think I had seen a penis so (laughs) (laughs) I was like damn she just spoke some truth (laughs) (laughs) I will never let any guy say that to me (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah my uh my sex education was pretty limited um we I think my I think it started in middle school um where you know, honestly, it's probably on me. Uh, I didn't get my permission <laughs> slip sli- signed. I like to think that my parents didn't sign it, but I think I just probably left it in my backpack and forgot about it because I very on brand for me at the time. Um, sure. But it was only like it was like one class, it was like one day of one class uh, called postponing sexual involvement, which is oh interesting God. in a little way because it's like it wasn't sex ed; it was just like how to not have sex. Abstinence. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was abstinence, but I hope it was like tactics to like avoid. Like any kind of like from what encounter. I from what I understand, I I have this weird memory of like two friends that later told me about like they like made people do like these practice saying no basically, which is probably good. Oh, it's probably okay. good, but it was like you know real life scenes on how to not have sex, which I was joking earlier is like I I had band class and that pretty much guaranteed I didn't have to have sex for <laughs> quite some time. Such a sad true stereotype but you know what i was a cheerleader and i did not have sex hell yeah purposely but like for a long long time so you know (laughs) the stereotypes don't always (laughs) we're not too different you and i (laughs) we're not too different is the summation of this intro uh well we're gonna stop talking and get to the meat of the content because i know that's what you guys want part two coming at you right now this part of like 
I wonder in the seminars or even in, in the counseling that you're talking about, like the fear, fear is a huge response that comes from some kind of trigger within ourselves, right? That's like destabilizing some kind of idea we have about ourselves. And so if it's true about somebody else, what does that mean about me? Or how does that affect me in some way, like uh, sort of, right? That's kind of how I, I interpret, especially when people lash out um, or have such a big reaction. It's like, okay, well, something is being triggered inside that's causing some kind of destabilization or maybe questioning of like a foundation that you believe to be so true. And so how do you deal with that fear aspect? I, I love that curiosity and, and maybe that's the answer to the question, but like, getting really conscious about that fear and dealing with the fear itself of being like, well, what's behind that? Like, what, what is the bottom of that feeling and how do we address it so then you can allow yourself to be curious without it being threatening? Sure. Uh, so you, you have to remember that anytime you ask parents, to get conscious about their children's sexuality, right? We just identified that there's probably a threat, right? Because it's so hard to look at our children as sexual beings. Yeah. But when you're you're asking, so I'm actually asking parents not only to get conscious about like what their children's sexuality, but then how do you get conscious about that without getting conscious about your own sexuality? Which of I think course. Is cutting, yes, right? that's what I'm getting to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so that depending on the the dynamic of the parents right that could be a very individual thing or it could also touch into the relationship part too right and that's hugely threatening yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. And so anytime you get conscious about um let's just take sex out of it but even just relationships right now you're talking about um a huge threat because we're challenging what our society has typically thought of as like the ideal situation, right? So if we're not plotting along as, oh, we are, you know, either male or female, and then we're going to grow up and we're going to not have sex until we're married, and then we're going to get married, we're going to reproduce, and we're going to have this type of sex within this, you know, context of a relationship. You, as a parent, if you're getting conscious about educating your children on sexuality, you've got to take a look at what you're doing too right totally totally yes <laughs> and so that can bring up a lot of things and certainly like I said working on a church campus um and as a sex therapist and a sex educator um you know people bring in a lot of really um sensitive topics that make them feel oh, I guess the best way to say it is they're it's so complicated right yeah. there's so many emotions that come along with for instance, let's just use infidelity as an example, sure. because that, that's definitely under the sexuality umbrella, right? Yeah. Um, if we want to get conscious about infidelity, a lot of times, particularly when there's someone who has stepped outside of the marital relationship several times, um, there's a conversation that's being had about like, should we stay together or should we not stay together, right? Sure. And that is could be directly in conflict with um, certain belief systems about how our relationship is supposed to look and how, what the trajectory of our relationship is supposed to look like, right? Absolutely. So if you're talking to your children about, you know, like, what does cheating look like in this day and age, right? Because it can look like really? a, a lot of different things. If you even want to use that word cheating, which I always try to discourage clients from using anyway. Um, 
but what does that look like? So you're having this conversation with your children about it and you're seeing that, oh, wow, and now kids think X, Y, Z. And then you're reflecting that back on your own relationship, right? Talk about threatening. Oh, sure. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and then add on top of it the fact that more than likely your communication style as a couple has probably been very boxed in by um, belief systems or time or, um, you know, whatever. Um, so then all of a sudden you're looking at kind of this big pot of soup that you're like, wow, all I want to do was provide sex education for my child. And now all of a sudden I'm looking at, you know, my relationship, my history, my partner's relationship, my partner's history, my parents' relationship. My yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 all the baggage for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so it, so it, you can get very deep with it and get very complicated. Now, obviously, we don't do that um, when I'm just meeting with people for you know a two or three hour event. Right. But we certainly touch on some things. I give people resources, and my hope is that at the end of our conversations, that people will at least walk away with a lot of stuff to chew on, and then certainly yeah. where they know where to find me and can come back and. Um, and I do always get follow-up phone calls, follow-up emails, um, and they're always very positive. I, I can really only think of like one that I got that was, I think, very based in discomfort, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Right. Um, I would love to touch on this idea of like implementation specifically into the curriculum that you would like to see. Um, and one of them that comes to mind is the elephants and the bulls aspect in addition to the birds and the bees, because I just love the terminology. Um, yeah, so I'd love to talk about things that you, you would, uh, uh, through your research and through the work that you've done, like what, what, what do you want to actively add to the conversation and what are elephants and bulls? Sure. So you're referring to that fun Instagram post that I yes. think is how we met, right? You know? yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and so, of course, we know that traditionally the conversation about sex, which is funny, right, that it's like the, com the conversation. The conversation. The conversation. Also, like sex. that there's one. <laughs> right. I know. Right. Um, that we sit down in the living room. It's a very serious event. And we talk about the birds and the bees. <laughs> well, so, um, you know, I've decided that we also need to talk about the bulls and the elephants as well. And so the bulls would be, um, you know, the, the bull, right? <laughs> the stuff that we know um, is not necessarily, um, I don't want to say not necessarily true, but for instance, when we have uh, large numbers of people who are saying, um, you know, I'm not just identifying a certain way, I was born a certain way, right? And there is biological research that, you know, is backing them up, and there is phenomenological research, um, you know, about lived experiences that is backing them up. At some point, we've got to say, hmm, <laughs> you know, maybe we need to include this as well, even if it's not something that we necessarily subscribe to, or, um, you know, we're uncomfortable with it. We you know, maybe we should step outside of our comfort zone and examine and get curious, right? And have some compassion and get conscious about what is going on over here with these people. And then, you know, bring that into our home and talk to our children about it. And not saying, hey, this is what you need to do or this is what, you know, you can, um, these are these are your options, but just say this is what other people are experiencing and this is, you know. This we're is not a collective consciousness yes. that's happening. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you do what you do with that. Right. I mean, just like any other education that we give our children, right. We, we, we give them the education and then they go off and do what they need to or want to with it. And so, um, so that would be, that would be the bowls. Right. And then the elephants would be the stuff that we know we are uncomfortable with, but that we are not willing to step outside of our comfort zone to serve our children's educational needs, right? And so an example of that would be, um, oh, I don't know, an elephant in the room. Um, I mean, how many parents have I had that are just not comfortable talking about uh, anal sex? Anal sex is the perfect elephant in the room. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if you look at um, research from college campuses, plenty of students have experienced with anal sex or they're curious about it and why wouldn't they be because it's so you know fabulous looking in porn they make it look so easy and um so great and you know well and actually along with that i'm I'm curious because because also and please correct me if i am wrong but in like the standard model that you've um described of conservative christian um how how they present relationships and sex uh penetrative penis and vagina is the is really the only thing that is talked about and then there there's so many other things that can occur right and so i'm curious if those other aspects come into it and anal is one of those things where it's not for reproduction you know it has no no bearing but theoretically under this umbrella term virgin you know it it does allow people to sort of stay in this mythical category um, of this word that doesn't really exist uh, but that we've put a lot of uh, you know pressure and emphasis on and so uh, I'm curious if that kind of comes into the conversation as well of like, you know, when, when you only talk about penetrative sex, it's so limiting and, and, and it, and it leaves a lot of questions about all of the other things that can potentially, you can potentially engage in if you're interested. Right. So, you know, working on a, the church campus, certainly there are plenty of um, clients that come in, who come in, who are engaging in sexual practices that are outside of what we would typically think of as acceptable sexual practices for for christians Mm. um that being said um i do want to go back to the to the elephant part right because and and talk about how this is exactly what we were talking about before right so if you start talking about things for your children you've got to start examining what you're doing yourself at home too right and so i do feel like Anytime I have clients who come in who are doing anything that they might feel any type of shame or guilt or confusion around or discomfort around, um, what, you know, of course, it's going to be that much harder to talk about with their children. Right? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like a different ownership of the thing. Yes, right. And if you haven't sorted that out for yourself, of course, it's going to be difficult to discuss with your children. And most parents aren't, aren't going to be like, well, hey, you know what dad and I tried out last night? <laughs> And we thought we'd like to talk to you about it. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's a different kind of conversation. And again, I can't tell people how to talk to their kids about sex at home. I can simply give them the information from the research that I have, <laughs> yeah. right? And say, well, in my experience, this is what I've seen, or this is what, I, you know, I, so, um, so again, yeah. So the elephant would be that, hmm, I probably need to sit down and get conscious about how I feel about these topics or what I know or don't know, because let's face it, there are a lot of parents who really 
aren't updated on sexual current sexual practices. And so, of course, who wants to look stupid in front of their kids, <laughs> right? Totally. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd like to sit down and have this conversation with you. I'm supposed to be the expert, but by the way, I don't know anything, totally. right? Totally. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, okay. So does that help describe what the elephants might, I mean, that's just one yeah. example, but you get it, right? Yeah. Um, and so then to lend into what are the amendments and additions that you're hoping to bring to the sex education conversation, uh, you know, uh, amongst the elephants and the bulls, like what, what does that look like if you got your perfect idea of like being able to implement everything that you could see, like what, what does, what does a true comprehensive sex education look like? Mm. Oh, oh my gosh, Jerry, that's like such a that's big, a huge question. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big question. Um, can you just yeah. solve the world at it, please? <laughs> okay, yeah. so I guess to like bring it closer is, uh, I mean, it's funny because uh, I, I'm actually uh, training to be an acting teacher, and one mm -hmm. of the things that's come up in a big way for me is this idea of tackling, like the more that you talk, like I'm like, oh my God, there's this thing you got to do and this thing you got to talk about, blah, 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 blah. And then the idea even with acting too and, and, and working with different actors is like, if, if I can in the span of three hours move the needle just a tiny bit further so that they have a different experience, they get curious about one small thing, they have any kind of opening of the mind in one one way or another, then I've done some kind of good and we're moving forward in some kind of direction. I haven't solved all the issues, I haven't cracked open everything, but we've we've pushed a little further and they've had an experience. And and so I, I, I guess I'm wondering is like, is that sort of the goal of like, the more we start talking about these things, the more we open and, and engage in these conversations, the, the, the we, we just, we push it a tiny bit so that, that it just leaves the door a crack open for something else to come in. Right. So what do I hope my contribution is to that? Yeah. Uh, so on a, on a small scale, my little small scale, my hope is that I can just help facilitate conversations with parents so they can um, think about their contribution to the lifelong effect of, um, you know, the health and well-being of their children's um, lives in general, not even just their sex lives in general, right, but like their lives in general, their emotional health, their mental health, because we know that sexuality is greatly tied to mental and emotional health. So, you know, if it means we take the word sex out of it and we have conversations about how can we talk about XYZ to promote, um, uh, you know, the mental health, the positive mental health and positive emotional health of your children, I mean, I, I want to be that person that helps with that, right? To, again, I don't want to change anyone's minds about how they feel about anything. I don't need to tell people how to do things a certain way. I just want to present my research and help people understand, you know, their role as a parent and like what's out there and, um, you know, how they can kind of get updated, right, for the benefit of their children. 
And then as a result, their children, you know, will be better off. And then that will trickle out into, you know, their community. And then, you know, maybe, I don't know, like coronavirus, it'll just trickle all around. <laughs> I don't know. It's a bad, bad example, but, but, you know, that seven degrees of separation, which is getting smaller and smaller in our, our global community, right? Yeah. Um, I do, I have a couple, uh, just a couple more questions. And I have a million questions. We could talk about this forever. <laughs> uh, but two things. So in, on your website, it does mention that you work with clergy um, or perhaps any um, person of leadership in, in the church. And I'm wondering, um, you know, if that becomes an aspect of it, because as growing the consciousness of the conservative Christian environment that you're in, you're also impacting the church itself and that community. And so what, I guess, what is the approach of also integrating the leaders in that community to help foster this growth and this, this sort of openness? Sure. Um, so I've been very lucky. The churches that I have worked with, and I've worked with several and different denominations as well, and, and um, everyone wants their children to be happy. Everyone wants their congregants to be happy, right? Um, so I have been very lucky to work with people who have want, who have sought me out and who have wanted to um, expand their conversation in their church home about um, sex ed for for their youth. Uh, so, so that has been actually very easy for me. Oh, okay. Um, which is interesting, right? But yes, but I live in Atlanta. That's a big city. That's a big Correct. city. And maybe the people who find me, you know, are um, think a certain way. I don't know. And then there are certainly plenty of people who don't find me. So maybe they don't want to, or maybe <laughs> they know about me and don't want to talk to me. I don't know. But, Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I usually have to go through church administration and clergy before I actually get to the to the to teach the classes. And so I always give an overview of like, look, this is where I'm coming from. This is who I am. I am situated in your community. I am a mom too, a parent also. And you know, this is the research that I've done, and this is what I'm trying to share. And I think when I come from that place of being very non-threatening and not competitive with their views and just say, look, this is for real stuff. Um, everyone's always very open about it. Now, I can say we get a lot of laughs about, um, you know, like, for instance, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I spoke at a Sunday school class. And here I've got, you know, anatomical diagrams up on the bulletin board. And it's, you know, nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday on a church campus. Sure, <laughs> sure. So, so there's a little bit of shifting around in the seats and everything until people uh, hear my opening spiel and understand that I'm not there to to change their minds necessarily. I'm there to um, encourage them to open their minds. Yeah, which I think is, uh, I don't know, gives me hope for the future of this country and, and the world in general is like that, that that's the approach is with love to encourage and foster a, a container where openness can be a part of the conversation so that there can be a conversation um, on both sides and all sides of, 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 and true listening, right? Of like receiving and then, you know, deciding what works 
for you as an individual, but, but, but being open to different conversations. Right. I was actually just talking to someone the other day about nonviolent communication mm. and this uh, particular person, a wonderful friend and a teacher of my son's, um, she is a scholar of nonviolent communication and we were making comparisons um, along the lines of nonviolent communication and, and transformative sex education. And I think that that's definitely um, an area that could use some more research. I'm not the person to do it right now because I've got my hands full. So but, I, said, yeah. but I think there are a lot of parallels and that could be um, the language that could speak to maybe a broader community because certainly every church that I've ever been a part of has wanted to promote nonviolent communication. Sure. Right. Um, and then I think the last question is, do you have, I mean, coming from a social worker background, do you have any insight into, you know, nationwide or even on a local or state level, like what governmental policies or infrastructure can be created to help support and foster these types of conversations and moving that needle forward a, a little bit in terms of that regard? Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know too much from a nationwide perspective other than what I learn when I go, you know, to national conferences and sure. certainly that information is changing constantly. Absolutely. Um, but I can speak, you know, about Georgia where I live and tell you that we don't have a standard sex education curriculum and that the efforts are very localized, right? Um, so for instance, my son attends a school where they have their own curriculum, um, whereas right down the street, there's an organization that, um, you know, sells curriculums. So, so it's very, it's very localized, at least in Georgia. And um, I don't know much about lobbying and I don't go down to the Capitol um, as an advocate for sex education because they're much <laughs> more informed and smarter and, um, you know, people who are, who I know are doing that. Um, I do think um, after talking to all of my students and certainly watching, you know, the politics unfold in our country, mm -hmm. I do think things are, are changing and I'm very interested to see how Georgia and the country looks, um, even by the time my son is out of college, you know, give it sure. four or five years, I think, um, especially uh, with how empowered and how vocal I feel like young women are these days, especially after Me Too. Yeah. I mean, the, these are the, these are the students and the youth that are going to be leading our country soon. So I think with all the media coverage, um, all of the, the television shows that are much more open about um, sexual topics in a positive way, right? Like sex education on Netflix. And I just think things are really going to be changing at a fast pace. And even as a, as a sex education scholar, I can tell you that I, I can't keep up. Like every morning I get online and, and I check things. But you have to remember a lot of this stuff doesn't necessarily happen at a, at a policy level. That's, that's, sure. that's like so far down the right. road, right? right? This stuff is happening in living rooms and, yeah. you know, teenagers talking and college students sitting around and doing their, posting their social media. That's where, right. that's where the big changes are coming from, or at least starting from. Right. Right. So you'd have to have a lot of tentacles out there to answer the question that you asked me. Yeah. 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 That's a big one. But, um, but I, I, I do wait and, um, and then, and I'm anxious to see how all the improvements that will be made, no doubt. 
Yeah. Well, you've been wonderful. Thank you for taking time to speak with me, especially with oh, the time dear. difference and, and <laughs> back from the beach. Uh, how can people find you? Oh, well, they can go on my website, www.lpwatts.com, or I can be found on Instagram at Ask Mrs. Watts. Amazing. Um, well, thank you so much. This has been thoroughly lovely. Uh, yeah. Yay. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> thank you. It has been lovely. Thank you so much. Uh, boy, oh boy, we did it. Oh boy, oh boy. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I feel like I'm in the decade in which I will be having a child. Ah, um, <laughs> it seems fair. <laughs> yeah. And so it's interesting because as I think about bringing a kid into this world at some point, I also think about like all the different ways that I'm learning and I want to expose this tiny little baby in, into, you know, awakening of like sex education, anti-racism, um, you know, all these different aspects where it's like consent, like so many things. I'm like, I wish I knew all this information and I had these conversations. And so a part of it seems like amazing because it's such a cool opportunity. And some of it is just like, oh, my God, there's so much to, you know, unpack on my own and then try to disseminate into this little baby. It does seem exciting, though, when you think about it that way. It's like, oh, yeah, so much has changed since we were kids. That's like, yeah. I'm going to nail this as a parent. I'm not going to. <laughs> Right, but exactly. like I got this for yeah. sure. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna probably be the most embarrassing kid because I'm like, we we're, we talked about this, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, uh, thank you so much, LP Watts, for coming on the show. I learned an incredible amount, and I'm sure everybody listening also did. Uh, yeah. If you if you want to contact her, follow her on Instagram, look at her website. Um, yeah, and and reach out. These conversations are really important to be having. If you have any feedback or you had a conversation with your kid and you want to tell us about it, we'd love to hear it. Um, as always, please follow us on social media at Finding My Yum Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can email us at findingmyyum at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and share with... 103. 103 friends. That's a lot. So get to work, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Get started. Uh, All right. We'll see you next week for some more yummy content. Bye.